2: It is episode 186 of Below the Belt. Um, I'm happy about this one today. We've had this one planned for a little while. Uh, Since we all went to the Rumble in the Jungle rematch show down in the Docklands, I think. Luke, where was it? Where was it? Where did we go?
1: Yeah, it was somewhere. Yeah, London. yeah, Docklands, Surrey Keys or yes,
2: something was it? That sounds, Surrey Keys. That sounds yeah. right. We went down to that. Uh, it was me and you, Luke, and our good friend Paul Zanon, who's also with us. How are you, sir? I'm very good, mate. Good to
3: hear you guys on the podcast. Uh, uh, yes, nice, you
2: guys, nice to have you guys back. Um, I think, I don't. I don't know if we did it last January, it might have been the January before. But we did what I ter- what I coined the state of the game uh, podcast, where we kind of talk generally about the state of boxing. Um, I don't know if we did that last year the year before. I've kind of borrowed that from Ring Magazine, because um, they always do the state of the game sort of stuff. Um, but we're not going to do that um, comprehensively today. We're going to talk more about recent stuff that's gone on, but we'll touch a little bit upon the state of the game and how boxing is towards the end. Um First things first, how are we both? Uh, Luke, what have you been up to?
1: Just been working, man. Yeah, I'm all right. Just uh, had a nice Christmas, good crimbo. Mm -hmm. Some of my family were over from New Zealand, who I don't see very often, so that was nice. Mm. Um, Yeah, and just just toiling away at school. Mm. Uh, Had Ofsted a couple of months ago. Oh, nice. And smashed it, so that was good. So, So, yeah, it's all good, man. Excellent, excellent. And Paul, how are you?
3: yeah good mate good uh i've got um a book i've got a ghost of the book about a guy called paul hardcastle uh which will be coming out later this year and um apart from that i've been doing a hell of a lot of uh, prison visits so um you know feel very blessed to be able to do that and uh connect with uh, with prisoners basically trying to I, I guess give them positive uh choices in terms of um what to do when they're in prison and uh, when they come out as well through the uh, the power of uh reading but more writing you know so um yeah i've I've been lucky to uh, through my networks to have a a good sort of sporting uh black book to an extent so i I managed to get uh paul parker in last uh in december i've got tony girl coming in in a few weeks time and a few more planned out as well so uh yeah i if someone had told me sort of you know six years ago i'd I'd be going into prisons and doing talks i'd have told them to something off you know but um now i just i love it i did over 40 visits last year and uh I'm already flying uh, flying through it now and we're only a couple of weeks into um into January. So yeah, busy yeah, but so in a great way.
2: Yeah. I, I I always see on your Instagram, Paul, you you know, you're at the prisons and um, you know, like you said, doing the creative writing workshops. But I have heard a rumour that you are <coughs> popping over the road to the women's prisons and firing out conjugal visits left and right. Is that true or is that just a nasty rumour that someone's making up?
3: Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, years ago, uh, Mario Balotelli actually drove right through a wall, um, and his answer was he did it just because he wanted to see inside the prison. I thought, well, I, I ain't got like a, you know, big Jeep or nothing to go through a wall, so I I have to sort of work out how to climb the walls instead, you know, so I'm I'm getting it, I'm getting, you know, slowly working on it, Like kind of like Great Escape, yeah, but... Yeah. I, I just that.
2: like, I like to just spread this rumour that you're a massive, <laughs> massive Lafario and so uh i just have it in my head that you're you're popping over the road to the women's prison and and filling up your black book there um, uh,
1: they don't call him the italian no. or nothing do they
2: no they don't that's right yeah, I, I've, yeah I've perpetuated this thing of, of this uh personality of what you are paul and i'm going to continue to perpetuate it and put it out there as much as i possibly
1: can uh
2: talking of women it was uh, women's boxing headlining uh, headlining kind of uh, british boxing this weekend they seem to get sent to stage uh, on sky sports um natasha jonas and michaela Meyer for the ibf welterweight title at the Echo arena in liverpool um fair to say luke that this main event and the fight was teens with some controversy wasn't it
1: yeah it was can i just say smooth segue there for you know talking of women to move into women's boxing i love Thank that you. um yeah, I I thought it was a good fight, really exciting fight, well-matched fight, but I definitely thought uh, Michaela Mayer won it 6-4 uh, or 7-3. Couldn't see a draw, couldn't see Jonas, a little bit of the home cooking or home crowd influence there. F- quite feel quite sorry for Mayer as well, who um, had also on the wrong end of, I thought, against Baumgardner, so... Mm definite controversy and I'd love to see a rematch I think she really deserves a rematch for, at least for one of those two losses that she's had a uh, bit of injustice
2: yeah I, I don't think Baumgarten going to give her the rematch um but yeah I think this fight feels like it should absolutely be a rematch because just as much as anything I'm not sure what else there is out there for Jonas really is the McCaskill fight maybe if she's still got world weight titles I can't keep up um Paul, what did you think of the fight on Saturday? Did you did you how did how did you have it? What did you think of the fight itself?
3: Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I thought that um, Natasha sort of started off very well. Um, you know, she put some lovely combinations together. It, it was quite evident, though, that there was a, she was lacking a little bit of zap in those punches that she might have had maybe three years ago. For me, one of her best performances, I think, was when she fought against Katie Taylor, and you know, there was a, there was a good argument there to so say she even maybe mm. even even nicked that fight. Um but uh for me I thought she put her punches together fast and uh and they were they had a bit more sting to them. This time that they were landing but it just wasn't making a, a dent in uh in Maya. And um yeah, I, I maybe it is uh you know, Michaela Maya, she's um she's got the jinx of fighting in the UK because the two times she's lost has both been in the UK and they're both split decisions. So maybe she uh she needs a bit of neutral territory. I think she was, you know, she's unlucky. On this one, I actually did think that Alicia uh, uh won the first one very convincingly, and I think she would probably do it again. Let's not talk mm-hmm. about the drugs scandal, um, but uh, but yeah, in terms of uh, Tasha Jonas, uh, you know, is she going to ignite the, uh, the the rematch clause? Um, if she does, I would probably say that she will lose it uh, next time round. But uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, Michaela Meyer just needs to carry on because she's got world titles without a doubt waiting for her again um so let's let's see where it leads it's it's interesting as well that you know she went from super feather up to to welter and um she, she moved through to light when she fought against lucy wild Park, but uh now going up to to welter is this her natural division i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure uh a 140 how would she fare against uh Chantal cameron i think cameron would give her uh, too much to be honest um uh, despite the fact that Michaela Maya did win the fight, it doesn't take, escape the fact that she's still got very, very heavy feet. Um, you know, she, she moves around like a classic Mexican, to be honest. And um, but she she lacks a bit of zap as well, and uh, she doesn't have that sort of finishing power, that tenacity, maybe that someone like a, a Kate Taylor or a Sean uh, mm, I, I think
2: that's a fair point about Maya, even though she's she's kind of workmanlike. I'd describe her as, and I think in the two fights that we've seen of her on these shores, she's looked very much like that. She, she presses the action. She throws enough, but she doesn't do anything. She doesn't stand out. She doesn't do anything to clearly, clearly win around. Although she did, she did uh, not so much rock, but did, she did land some really good flush shots on Jonas, but she doesn't do uh, on Natasha Jonas, but actually for particularly in the early rounds at Jonas landed the the kind of the flashier shots the 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 kind of the shots where she didn't have to take anything going in to land it and Maya I think has a little bit of of trouble with that I suppose the issue for Maya here Luke is that is that Jonas doesn't really need to rematch her but I think at the same time what else is there for Jonas (coughs) what does that make sense
1: yeah and I think she's already said that you know by the end of the year she wants to be out of boxing doesn't she she says this is her last year in the sport so i guess it'll come down to economics is there more money on the table for a rematch than there is for some other opportunity so i don't think it's going to come down to you know whether she feels she should ethically give her a rematch or not it'll it'll be pure economics that, that determine that and it depends who else is out there but maybe maya will be the biggest money uh, fight that there is mm.
2: And ringside, Paul. It was Lauren Price, wasn't it? it Who's the the British champion? Um well, I'm, I'm not sure she's defended it yet. Yeah. Um, she was ringside. There's talk of that fight. Is that a fight you'd like to see?
3: Um, I, I'm probably going to be a bit outspoken there, but um, when I watch Lauren Price fight, it doesn't really excite me that much. Um, you know, the way she she was putting her punches together in the Olympics, I thought when she goes pro, she's going to be banging people at like left, right, and centre. She's only actually stopped one out of her six opponents. And uh, that was her sort of second fight in. Um, I, I'm kind of, I still think she needs a bit more experience before we start sort of moving her up to, uh, to world level. Otherwise, she might get a bit exposed. Mentally, it might sort of uh, fracture a bit. I know she wants to start sort of pedaling up to the bigger money because, you know, she, she's knocking on 30 years old. Um, but I, I think she needs a few more defining fights um, under her belt first. At the moment, to see Lauren Price in, Nah, uh, with are either one of those two. Not really. It doesn't really. Nah, no, I'd, I'd
2: be in, I'd be inclined to agree. It felt, Luke, that when Lauren Price won the British title, she hasn't defended it yet. I've just checked. She hasn't defended it yet, and she was. It was kind of coined as you know. Well, it was the first ever British uh, title fight for for in the women's division. It felt like to me for a mm. belt that all three of us all really admire and really love. It felt like a bit of a uh, a marketing. A marketing chip, a bit of a, but it didn't really mean much because the division, you know, the British welterweight division in the women's division is really light. So does it feel like perhaps even though she is the British champion, that Price actually is really nowhere near Jonas's level yet?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think gimmick is the right word. I mean, for a British title, for a European title to to mean something, you need to have some strength in depth. And that is still where women's boxing, you know, is lacking, you know, really only the world titles really mean anything I'd say in the women's game um, at the moment, given how shallow a lot of those weight classes um, are. So yeah, it did come across gimmicky. It hasn't meant much. It's not caught on. I think for now we should just stick stick with the world titles and thankfully a lot of which are unified. So at least there is a number one in the division, albeit divisions that are pretty slight and, and where talent's pretty thin on the ground for the most part. Mm. And Paul,
2: you know, jo- Jonas has, you know, she unified at uh, 154 quite easily, actually, and, you know, won a belt at, at welter as well. And this is before then. She kind of, she she obviously did well at Superfeather, but toiled a little bit, you know, got stopped, you know, lost to Katie Taylor at lightweight. Am I right in thinking, my, my feeling kind of is with Jonas is that, Maya, kind of, we saw kind of what Jonas's level is, and actually, she's been kind of. We saw the level of British, of not so much British, but world women's boxing, in the sense that Maya kind of was, was you know, coming off a loss, hadn't looked great, but was still good enough to push Jonas really, really close at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, when
3: when, um, when Jonas lost against uh, Vivian Ivanovs. And she was absolutely smashed out of there. Everyone thought that's it, you know, she's she's gonna she's gonna stop fighting. Too. And they thought it was gonna be like um, um, uh, Nicola Adams, you know, it was, it was gonna be a very short sort of a uh, rail on the track there. But she didn't. It was a bit of a Cinderella sort of story coming through there, and uh, she moves up the weight divisions. And you know, the best fight, like I said, I thought mm-hmm. was it was against Katie Taylor, um, and that was after she had a, a split decision draw against Terry Harper for the world honors as well. But, uh, but to then sort of come back and start sort of, you know, unifying later on in her late 30s, I thought was brilliant. Now she's at a point where I think she's done as far as she can, gone as far as she can go. She's done as much as she can do. Age is definitely not on her side anymore, And um, speed is, certainly was evident. She was putting her punches together a lot slower than she normally would. So um, if she's got good advisors now, and unless there's a stupid amount of money on the table, I think it'd be nice to see her step away, and um and still be involved in the sport because she's a great commentator, a lovely person. She's got so much to offer both the pro and the amateur games. Um, so yeah, let's see. She, she's she is genuinely one of the nicest people I think I've ever interviewed, and um, she's got she's got so so much to offer. Sport in general. So would you agree with that, Luke?
2: And... Do you think maybe Jonah should consider you know going out on top?
1: Yeah, I think if there's if there's you know not a big opportunity on the table she might she might well do and i think you know she's she's that rare thing among boxers she seems to be planning for retirement as well i think she manages a couple of fighters she's got the commentary work so i think she'll be she'll be good when she does hang the gloves up because she's got a bit of a sense of purpose good head on her as paul says i've interviewed her as well you know lovely lady very personable bright girl um i think she'll step away at the right time i think she'll make the right call sometime this year
2: i think we was just talking about lauren price a minute ago and actually while you guys were chatting i was thinking to myself lauren price isn't ready but why not perhaps that's a good fight for jonas to go out on for her to have a you know a domestic rivalry uh to have a, a world
0: title fight it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots dot Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, uh, you know,
2: because it's because it's domestic, it would it would fill a good size arena up. And either Jonas goes out with a with a with a win, or in to use the wrestling vernacular, she puts over Lauren Price on the way out. That you know she might lose, but then you make a new star coming out of it. So it feels yeah. like kind of a. Kind of a, a, a win-win way. Does that make sense to you guys, Paul? Does that does does, does, does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Um, it, the only thing that I wonder is, like, if you look at mm. Tasha's face at the end of that fight, it kind of told a tale. Uh, you know, her eyes were, were badly swollen. I mean, it would have been a lot worse the morning after. Uh, she did take a lot of big punches, like Luke was saying before. There were some massive single shots that she was eating up, and fair play to her chin. Um, I, I would just hate to see her maybe get stopped by Maya if she does decide to sort of say, you know what, uh, I'll be honourable and give her the, the rematch clause. Because it wasn't in, uh, in Maya's contract, it's only in, in Jonah's contract. And uh, if she was to grant her that and then get smashed up and, and maybe stop, that, that would be really, really difficult for her to uh, to sort of look back on. If she was to retire now and say, I've retired on top, yeah, I could have had one more fight. Um, but in the words of Andre Ward, when a lot of people said to him, did you think you could have had you know at least just one more fight and his response was couldn't i retire having not had that one more fight and maybe that's what yeah. she needs to consider yeah, more, it's a know? fair
2: point it's a fair point um while we're on women's boxing um every single time there's a big women's fight and it's a close decision people get up in arms about the length of the fights, so i.e., 12 threes 10 threes etc all of that etc um at the minute, at the minute, Luke, where we're doing, you know, women's world title fights are, you know, 10, two minute rounds, which is twenty minutes in total, whereas you know, men's is twelve frees, and that's thirty six minutes in total. Um, obviously, you'll be aware that Amanda Serrano, the undisputed featherweight champion, has been boxing twelve frees, other than for the WBC belt, which she's had to vacate. Where do you sit right now, Luke, on the on the the debate around the length the length of women's women's world title matches?
1: I'm happy with 10 2s, I've got to say. I think um, they provide quite a lot of action. I think the rounds, it gives the rounds a fast pace to them. I think if you stretched it to three minute rounds, the the, the pace and the entertainment value would drop a bit. And I think at this stage of the sport, where they're trying to build stars, build the profile, I think 10 2s are absolutely perfect for that. Paul?
3: I- I'm the other way around, actually. I think uh, it should be three minutes because then that way. Uh, both the men and the women are fighting on uh, the same platform. I totally agree with Luke in terms of the fact that uh, shorter rounds will be more dynamic. I mean, by the nature, you know, by the virtue of the fact you've got 120 seconds opposed to 180, um, you, you don't have to sort of look at the the fact of blowing yourself out within those uh, three minutes as opposed to the two. You know, you're working the longer game. Um, you, you, essentially, over 10 rounds, you're fighting 20 minutes as opposed to half an hour. And, uh, I I I genuinely believe that you know the ladies are putting in the hard graft, they're putting in all the road work. Um I'd like to see them do it's three. It's an in,
2: it's an interesting one actually. Um, the, the, there's there's a couple of bits for me with this debate really. Firstly, there's a lot of debate about it, but not so much from the women themselves, and that's quite telling to be honest. Other than Amanda Serrano, who's very vocal about it and is actually acting upon it. I don't I'm not seeing that. You I I, I you hear people say it. I remember Clarissa um Claresha Shields and Savannah Marshall have hinted at it, but then after immediately after that fight they both said they're quite happy to stay at 102s. Um so I, I don't see a massive call for it outside of fans and you know uh, perhaps some writers, but I think the women need to be the need to be the ones to decide their own destiny here, not a load of suits um or you know fans or podcasters um so i think there's that but th- the the other bit for me and i was asked about this actually i was on uh, i was on the fighting cock the spurs podcast we we do a, uh there's one behind their paywall and i was asked about randomly was asked about this uh on 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 their podcast and i said the wbc have always been on the side of safety uh they've also they're also always on the side of fucking drug cheats at the minute as well but which uh, is <laughs> <laughs> a complete oxymoron right but they love you know they were one of the first to to you know to do uh to go from 15 rounds to 12 um it was after that ray mancini fight which our good friend luca reminded me of not too long ago um but i i think about safety in boxing in general and i think about the aesthetic and i think about how it's going to look when heaven forbid a, a, f- a woman fighter dies in the ring <clears throat> on these shores or in America on a televised card if or if a woman suffers a serious injury or, or sadly dies, I worry. I, I think about the aesthetics and I think the reaction from mainstream media will be a lot more severe than it is right now for men, and I think that's why that's why the sanctioning bodies are really tiptoeing around that. Luke,
1: does that make sense? Yeah, valid point, Cal, definitely. Um, was making me think, this conversation, actually, how many sports is it where women have reduced uh, time or something like that? Is it just boxing and tennis are the only two that I could think of from the top of my head? But there's probably more. But, you know, they run in the marathon, they run the same distance. Yeah. In football, it's 90-minute matches. Yeah. Um, so, in a sense, I guess boxing and tennis are sort of outliers. mm,
2: mm. That's true. Yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, really. Um, yeah, yeah. Paul, any any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah. I, I, again, it's like um, you know, the, the ladies are saying that they uh, they want to get sort of you know equal pay and, and all this sort of stuff. But I think the only way you are really gonna really going to start to sort of head towards that model is if you allow them to sort of compete on a certainly at a similar time-based platform. I mean, if, if the ladies are playing three sets instead of five, then I guess they still feel that they might have a, a couple of sets still in in the, in the tank there. You know, if it comes out to the stamina, like I said, these, these ladies, I mean, crikey, uh, Chantel Cameron's work ethic and Katie Taylor's in, in the gym should go head to head with absolutely anyone. I'd like to see either one of them onto, onto gladiators um, against the blokes, mm-hmm. you know, that's how, how fit they are. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd like to see the, certainly the, the, the timeframes um, level out between them. I mean, women's football, I, was, I used to be pretty harsh about it back in the day. And for one plain reason, it was substandard crap. And the reason being is that they were simply not given mm. the support financially, training-wise, etc. And the second that the money started to get in there and the, and the ladies started to get the support, the, uh, the, the strategy, the technique, the correct management... Look at look at the level of football now with women's. It is absolutely brilliant, it really is, and it 's going to get better and better and better and uh it's the same with with, with a lot of sports. you know if you can basically sort of say, hey, this is what the men are doing that's what we 're going to head towards, and then we're going to get better than that what a great motivation, but if you 're sort of pulling a minute here or two sets there and that sort of stuff, always going to feel okay we're doing well, but we 're not competing the same level I,
2: I I can you know i could go with eight threes because it's 24 minutes instead of uh 20 but you've got three minute rounds and somebody might get stopped um so i could experiment and do something like that but i get luke's point about the 10 twos i don't mind the shorter rounds i've got terrible attention span anyway so two minutes is about enough for me um Fucking hell, don't ask, well, I'll say say that considering I have to score, I score the fights on Twitter for below the belt, so no one's going to believe me anymore. Um, (laughs) The other thing, actually, it made me think of something else, actually. A lot of people, Luke, I don't know if you noticed, were really angry about the even rounds. Did you notice that on the timeline at all?
1: Yeah, particularly in America, they seem to get very cross about it, didn't they? They hate it, yeah. Um, and And then there were some comments about, oh, it's such a British thing. Um, I'm, it's almost been eliminated in the UK, as far as I can tell. It, it is a bit of an unusual occurrence. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess that's one thing about a two-minute round. It can be harder to score or find a clear winner in a two-minute round as well. So you're probably more likely to get some 10-10s mm. um, in a women's fight, I would have thought. Mm.
2: Yeah, the Americans did pretty much do away with it. I think the sanctioning bodies over there, I think the ABC over there pretty much said you have to score for somebody um mm-hmm. the only time that allow you know kind of an even round is if it's like nothing happens but i suppose there's so much scoring categories you don't have to just score on punches landed you can score on defense or in generalship you, mm-hmm. you know you can find a winner and actually when i do score online for below the belt twitter account i always i don't do even rounds just because i know mm-hmm. that i know that the sanctioning <laughs> bodies are told to not do it so i always try to find a winner and it helps me concentrate and i think what my understanding was i think was it was it Leonard um, Hagler which had a few even rounds and I think that I think that that's what kind of again another one of those
1: I think so yeah, yeah, yeah. and I
2: think that happened quite a lot back back in the, the 80s and I think that's what why they said right no more even rounds score, concentrate on the full round and score the fight um, but the joke always happens that David Haye loves at least three even rounds whenever he's scoring a
3: fight him.
2: <laughs> Paul wouldn't it be so much better if they put a, reji- a retired judge on the TV to score their fights
3: Oof, uh, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. It depends which one, though. Um, if you're going to get more <laughs> Ian's on there, then, um, that, then could, that could start to turn into a bit of a comedy show. But, I mean, you know, if you had a good retired judge, uh, yeah, I think so, absolutely. Someone that could see through all the bullshit and that would be a bit outspoken. You almost want, like, a, a Teddy Atlas-style character on there, someone who fears no repercussion of anyone giving him crap on Twitter or social media at all, you know? So,
2: um, yeah, I don't I know what he's up to these days, good. but I always thought Mickey van would be good at it. <laughs>
3: yeah, no, I, I agree. He's a uh, bullshit threshold. is yeah. zero, There's also Wayne so Alexander. He's,
2: a, he's a, he's a qualified judge. Um, I just think get someone that's got, I, cause <laughs> I always talk about this, Luke. Howard, Howard Letterman was on HBO for years. And I think, I think mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree, Luke, but HBO was the gold standard, wasn't it, uh, in terms of, oh, of yeah. Oh, yeah. boxing broadcasting? HBO was the gold standard. We had Jim Lampley with his passion. We had Manny Stewart, um, and we had Harold Letterman doing uh, doing the scoring. Who was a you know a long time judge? His daughter Julie Letterman ended up becoming a, a long time judge as well. Anyone you could think would be good at that job?
1: yeah pe- people with a bit of sort of neutrality to them isn't it that you're looking for there's always that suspicion on the uk coverage that you know they're they're scoring people they know quite well or their mates or you know the sort of one-eyed british british bias that 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 type of thing so yeah you want someone completely removed from it um
2: i think that's yeah i think i think it's about, i think british sports broadcasting has become British boxing is very pally pally anyway. It's very it's mm, very mm. matey. But actually, British sports broadcasting. Well, I say sports football and Premier League football and um, boxing are. They always have a dog in the fight. It just feels like there's always mm. you know not a football podcast but if it's a man united game there's a man united commentator if it's a liverpool game jamie Carragher's on comms like it's there's always there's always they it's they're always looking after the 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 bigger the bigger kind of club if you like and then in boxing on the zone they all work for matchroom so they all follow you know the matchroom kind of they want the matchroom yeah. fighter to win on sky even at the weekend <laughs> not so much dave coldwell he wasn't so bad on comms and andy clark's brilliant he's the best commentator in britain i think but um lauren price um and then there was jane copeland i think it was that was on comms on saturday they were both it was all tasha this tasha that you know lots of first names <laughs> over familiar and you know michaela Meyer. if she, she she didn't get she didn't get a shot from the judges and the comms the comms were even worse um but yeah,
1: was it the, was it the Taylor Cameron fight where it was Katie that oh, went through yeah. with, Andy <laughs> Lee against Cameron?
2: Andy Lee, who was supposed to be you know was covering the fight, oh, said dear. said at the end, "I feel like crying," like <laughs> he, he that that he was that passionate about Katie Taylor winning the fight, despite the fact that he was supposed to be broadcasting it. He wanted to cry. <laughs> like, fucking hell! <laughs> For, poor Chantel Cameron didn't get a look in that night, did she, Paul? <laughs>
3: No, not at all. Not to, and it's um it is sad when that happens. I mean, and again if you've got someone who can just sort of put the bias to one side, you know. Giving an example, someone like uh, you know, the late great Mills Lane, uh, you know, former boxer, great referee, and uh, and then also judge as well. Um, I remember sort of seeing him in mean, he had yeah, I knew he had his own little favourite stable of fighters that were out there, but when they were fighting in front of him, he he never ever gave anyone any favouritism and, and I think that shows the, the true mark of professionalism you know so it's it's like for example if i'm watching say italy in the world cup if i think they're playing shit i'll be the first one to say Mm. they should have got hammered there you know um but uh it's unfortunately yeah some people they do let their bias spill out onto tv and if if we can see it it means everyone else can see it as well it's just more a case of the the likes of andy can he actually embrace it afterwards or someone goes up and go mate you you know (laughs) anything short of a wearing the Irish flag over your shoulders from the start to the finish. You you, you could uh, could have been a little bit more subtle, you know?
1: I mean, this is why for me and again, this is a boxing podcast, so excuse the the, uh, diversion into cricket, but the greatest sports broadcaster Mm. I've ever seen, Richie Beno, Mm. the very model of neutrality. I mean, he's a former Australia captain, for God's sake, but when presenting his coverage straight down the line, up to neutrality no Mm. we this or no triumph whatsoever total professional that's the playbook Mm. that these guys should be following and and too many don't unfortunately yeah
2: Yeah. the other thing that annoyed me about that Katie Tyler fight was the amount of holding she did oh Mm. I I couldn't I, I can't I could not score especially in a two minute round I can't score a round for someone that holds for ninety minute ninety seconds of every round. Just fuck off! Like no, it really bothered me that fight. There just there was nothing good that came. You know, fair play to Taylor. She did well ish, but oh, it was it was the coverage was nauseating. And she she always does well to write off the judges, but the referee was awful that night. Absolutely yep. awful. Yep. Um, but talking about talking about kind of pro British bias. Um we're moving on to Better Bev and Callum Smith now and our good our good friend Sean Brown he does every week for boxing news he'll every time there's a big a big fight he'll go round different trainers fighters etc and get picks from them for fights and um Paul before BetterBev Smith the picks were very heavily in favor of Callum Smith a lot of people thought he was going to win I never s- no, me Never neither. Me. I was just about to ask you. Did you get swept up in that beforehand?
3: <laughs> did I? Fuck no. I, 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 with uh, my uh, with uh, with Lucarosi as my witness, because he uh, he actually texted me a couple of days before saying, "Are you getting bought in by all this hype for Callum Smith?" And I reply back, and I essence, that word I said, "Am I fucked?" I said, "He's going to get smoked around the mid rounds." And well, I, I'm not a betting man, but I should have put uh, like a pound anywhere from sort of five to eight. But I, I just. Couldn't see it. If, like, like the way you got to look at it is that um, Butter BF was the, the the bigger version of Canelo, and uh, and if you found problems with Canelo, it was going to be a lot worse with him. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's it's both volumes. Um, Butter BF. Is 39, but he's, he's you know relatively fresh from that perspective. How many more fights he can continue to work through at these sort of gears, I don't know. But but no, I was never ever bought into the fact that Callum Smith was going to win
2: this no, fight. No, me neither. Uh, Luke, did did you get swept up in all of that, or was you as bemused as myself and Paul were?
1: Total total bemusement, mate. I I saw Sean's article you're referring mm. to. Um, I think it went. Twenty-three eight to Smith. <laughs> I think. Oh, just thinking about it makes me laugh. I mean, I mean, Sean does an incredible job canvassing these picks and, and the numbers he, of people he gets. Mm. Absolutely amazing, but that must be, you know, the worst pr- set of predictions mm. I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life from 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 that crew of sort of one-eyed Brits. I mean, honestly honestly b- bemused yeah. Um, yeah I mean fair play Smith he took his lumps but there was only ever a very remote possibility that, that he was going to win that fight and I, I couldn't believe how many people were giving him a sort of better than even chance of doing it I'd been
2: hearing for a, when that fight was announced which was about last summer it got pushed back the once because I think uh, better be have got an injury. Um, or was it Smith? I think Smith might have had an injury. I can't remember, it doesn't matter.
1: Better be have had some sort of jaw dental yes, issue. Yes, right? that was yeah, it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, th- he had an injury. I but I heard when it was first announced that, and I've been hearing this for a while, um, but it was from the Smith camp that that, um, Better be was on the way out, he's had a lot of injuries, la la la. And I, f- f- for people that have listened to his podcast from episode one. I always think back to this on episode one of below the belt titled "Anne wolf's marigolds. Um, we talk about uh, Scott Quigg versus Carl Frampton. It was the preview to, to that fight. And before that, we recorded that podcast. The guys in the room had heard all these gym rumors about Carl Frampton. how he was fucked at the weight, basically. And the stuff about Artabeta Biev screamed of that to me. It screamed of gym rumours. I'm told it's not gym rumours, but it screamed of gym rumours that everybody's believing. Or, yeah, that mainly. Also, I think Callum Smith is hugely overrated by British boxing and... I always, I'm, nev- I'm never going to be a Barry Jones that would, and I love Barry Jones so much. The way he can talk about footwork, it's just I could never talk about boxing in that level of detail. But I always judge fighters on who they've beat and when they've beat them. It's so important, and you have to ask yourself about Carlos Smith. It's a very simple question: What's his best win? And you probably the probably the answer is a one-armed George Groves. And mm. that says everything about Callum Smith. To get to 33 years of age and his best win is a one-armed George Groves who mm. retired immediately after the fight. I just don't think Callum Smith is as good as people think he is or thought he was. And the way he performed uh, against Canelo, I think we saw his level. He pretty much did nothing and just survived in the end. And... Mm. I, f- I thought he did better against Better Beer. He had a little go. But in the end, yep. we saw his level and he was stopped handily. Is that is that fair, Luke? You're, you're, I can hear you, so I'm going to let you go. Go
1: on. Yeah, I think that is fair. But I think also it's that British symptom that we often get where you know they're holding out for the big, big fight and sort of on the way up, mm. the, the medium fights that would prepare them better for the big fight never happened. Mm. Um, you know, Callum Smith probably has a higher ceiling that he could have reached mm. had he already fought Anthony Yard or Callum Johnson or whoever whoever else it might be mm. before fighting Biev. Instead, you know, he's given a couple of road sweepers to knock over, um, and then we're and then some people are surprised that he's not prepared. You know, when he goes in against one of the best fighters in the world, it's not a model. Generally speaking, that is going to enable you to succeed at, at the very highest, you know, pound for pound level, is it?
2: Mm, yeah, and that's, that's, I can hear Paul apps just seething right now because he's been, he, he is, if he's got a cat, he doesn't have a cat anymore because he's, he's kicked it across the room. Um, but he's been going on about, you know, kind of a super six of the light British light heavyweights in particular for a long time. So go on, Paul, take us away.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of people now saying Callum Smith, um, Anthony Yard. Yes, this is what I'm talking about. I'd like to see Callum Smith against Yard. How about Callum Smith versus the winner of um, uh, of, of the Waxi um, against, oh, crikey, what's his name? Um, that's it, Dan Aziz. I mean, that's, it. that's going to be a great fight in itself, but uh, see the winner of that against uh, Callum Smith. Fantastic. We've got Callum Johnson, who's, you know, sort of making noise at the moment as well. We've We've You've got Spider Richards, you know, let's get those six in a tournament. You know, At the moment, they're talking about, you know, the best five from a from Matchroom versus the best five um from uh, from Warren stable. Well, you know, maybe they can do something similar back at a, a weight division. That would be fantastic. And, you know, I'm not sure what the split is amongst the fighters I've just talked about there, which which stable they're in. But absolutely, it's a great domestic thing. Why don't we do it? It's, you know talking about Callum Smith, it just reminds me of when, um, Howard Eastman went over to America and he fought uh Bernard Hopkins at the time. Eastman was um 40 wins, one loss, and everyone was basically sort of you know similar. They were saying oh, he's, he's going to beat Bernard Hopkins, and I was thinking, are you crazy? Seriously, I mean, you know, what, who are you talking about here? You know, and uh, he went over there, yeah, he gave good account himself, but he lost heavily on, on every scorecard, and then um. Then, obviously, Bernard Hopkins uh, loses back-to-back against Jermaine Taylor and uh, then beats the likes of Winky Wright, Antonio Tarver, before losing against Calzaghi. then beats a 17-year younger, Kelly Pavlik, you know, and then goes on to beat uh, Roy Jones. It, it was just a who's who, his, his CV. But how anyone could say that Howard Eastman <laughs> was going to beat Bernard Hopkins, it's, it's madness. On a similar parallel to how Callum Smith was going to beat the shit out of this wrecking ball, of a uh, better be if there is only one fight out there which could break his record, and that's
2: Bivol. That was my that's next question. It. Uh that was I you've, you've just you've nice segue there. Um it seems now like everything's cleared now. Um Dimitri Bivol uh, beat uh, Lyndon Arthur at the Day of Reckoning and now this this really dangerous mandatory is out of the way for Arta Betabiev, not as dangerous as a lot of people thought it was going to be um, and now kind of it seems that we're ready for an undisputed fight, even Bob Arum, <laughs> Bob Arum before who didn't want to make the fight because they're both from Russia and didn't like the politics of it, even he seems to be coming around to the idea now it looks like we're going to get it next uh, His Excellency keeps talking about it Luke Um <laughs> A, do you think it happens? And B, who do you think wins?
1: Oh, my word. God, I hope it happens. Who's going to win it? That is a question. I think it is a genuine 50-50. Um, gun to the head. I'm going to go... Oh, bivolt, controversial oh. decision. Bullshit decision,
2: uh, maybe. <laughs> Bullshit decision. Paul, do you think it happens, and who wins?
3: I think it does happen. Um, I think if it happens sooner rather than later. I'm going to edge it to better beer. Um I think Bivol is the only person who can maybe outmaneuver him. Uh, better beer is not indestructible, you know. And Callum Johnson caught him; he, he rocked him good and proper. And uh, if anyone can work angles, well, it's uh, it's Bivol. But um, based on everything I've seen of Bersabir up to this point, and like I said, if he's still as fresh as this for the next, say, six months, which I'm hoping that time frame is going to be when these two guys meet, I'm just going to edge it to him. But as as Luke said, I mean, I don't think you can pick a wrong fighter in this. You really can. You know, it's it. Whatever case you build up for either one of them um, is, is going to be right because both have earned their stripes. Both are unbeaten. And, uh, you know, they are without a
2: doubt the best at one step yeah, on the planet. Right. I I agree with you, Paul. I I would pick Beterbiev, Beterbiev, whatever we're calling him, to win. I think he I think he would win. I think I th- there was a lot of Bivol got a lot of stick for not getting Lyndon Arthur out of there. I just don't think he's got the pop. I just don't think he's a puncher at world level. Um, and I think Beterbiev would just wear him down. And obviously there was the controversy around Beterbiev's, um atypical result uh so not a failed drugs test an atypical result we for human growth hormone testosterone um but they they did tests afterwards and they they didn't find anything so i don't know what that means um but i think for a guy like Beterbiev, he lives the life devout muslim um doesn't drink doesn't smoke doesn't party You know, we talk about fighters living the life. That's the kind of, it's not really a surprise that a guy who lives a life like that, who's as dedicated as that, is still this good at this age. And Bernard Hopkins is a great example of that, of fighters that don't you know don't go to Dubai for a fortnight after the after the fight and get on the nose bag they kind of you know <laughs> he lives the life he goes back to his family he eats right he's back in the gym though no, he's that type of guy so it's not really a surprise he's this N-
1: naming any names I can- no
2: I would I couldn't tell you I couldn't <laughs> tell you but we all know it happens um so yeah, it's uh, but yeah to answer to answer my own question, I'd pick better be able to to beat Bivol. I think he'd get. I think he'd just wear him down like he's done so many times before. I think he'd eventually catch up with Bivol. He hits so hard, everything's fudding arms and. He's just hitting everywhere, and I think it'll eventually just catch up with him and and, and get him out of it. And I do think it will happen. I think the money's there in Saudi now, and I think it will happen. I think that's a bit of a win. Um but it's a great fight. I hope we see it. Um talking of Saudi and all that lovely Saudi money which is brought fucking Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn together, I need to watch that. There's a there's a video on the TNT Sports YouTube which I need to watch of those two sat down together. It's amazing. Um Anthony Joshua is fighting Francis Ngannou. Um this feels like, Paul, another safe fight for Joshua while they kind of wait out the Usyk uh, Fury winner. They, I think they want the Fury fight. Um, is, does that, is that how you review this, Paul, that it's just a safe money fight for Joshua? Yeah,
3: I think just safe money. You can even take the word fight mm-hmm. out if you want, you know, just safe money. Um, I I think yeah. that Joshua stops him um i I genuinely do if if you replay back the first 10 seconds of Mm. the fury and garner fight um joshua actually gives him like a a little micro wobble Mm. in the first sort of 10 seconds and and i thought to myself ah he backed away probably not because he was scared but because he was probably thinking i'm here to put on a Mm. bit of a bit of a show and uh letting garner come back in there which was obviously a mistake but uh i think joshua would be going in there obviously to make a, a bit of a dramatic statement a dramatic statement against a guy who has one professional fight behind him. And everyone's based on the fact that he took a a Tyson Fury on who was half asleep at the time, by the looks of it, you know? So, um, I, it's not a fight that I was really looking forward to. Uh, you know, it was kind of like, it's wilder, it's wilder, it's wilder. And <laughs> it's in Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we're, we're all going to watch it because we want to know what two really heavy hitters do against each other. And, uh, if, if Joshua gets sparked out by Nganu, then it could be time to pack the bags mm. and just leave it, you know. But, uh, but if he does smash him up early, then all of a sudden it's like, what next, you know? Is it going to be the you know? Someone says to him, right, you know, Anthony, we we found a, a silver back which it's got some moves out in the, in the Congo. We reckon you can you can take them on, mate. You know, but it's going to be eighty four million pounds. You fancy it? Maybe he goes to that or maybe does what we're all hoping, which is actually
2: possible yeah answers, yeah it, it it feels like it just feels like they're they've while Joshua's looked good, Luke, it feels to me like they've matched him quite well, I, you know it was it was kind of uh Franklin, then it was supposed to be Dylan Dylan white um then it became Robert Helenius, and then uh, they went to um Otto Vallin. it feels like they've matched him kind of safe. Um, is it more of the same, do you think?
1: Yeah, and I don't, I didn't quite, you know, he seemed to get rave reviews for the Otto Valin performance, which I didn't really see, you know, Valin was tailor-made for him, Um, doesn't hit hard enough to, you know, for Joshua to fear him. Um, It's a slow rehabilitation, I guess, for Joshua. Mm. Um, It's another marking time fight. It's high profile, it gets people talking, you know, the fact that he's fighting regularly, I think, allows us maybe to give him a pass. Mm. Was he fight three times yep. last yep. year? And yep. They're aiming for this three or four this year. Mm. Um, I think if you fight three or four times a year, you're entitled to, to a couple of gimmies. Mm. As long as there's something big around the corner. Maybe Hergovic, if uh, Fury, Fury and Usyk have a rematch. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. It, you, you, can see, you can see Fury and Usyk having a rematch. I think it might be one of those fights. Um, and I, I, I agree with you, actually. If, if someone's fighting regular, as long as there's a fight of intrigue within, you know, two in three, if not one in three, you know, is it, an intriguing fight. You know, if not a 50-50, a kind of a 60-40. And Francis Ngannou, I agree with Paul. It's a fucking 99-1 to 1 chance. You, you know, you think Joshua's going to blitz him. And I think I agree with Paul. I think he's going to stop him. Um uh, yeah, I, I do. I do believe that, that Fury probably took him lightly, but also I just don't think Fury is the same fighter anymore. Um, and I think that's perhaps why Ngannou was able. And I also think Ngannou was with his MMA training was able to stop Fury wrestling him um, mm-hmm. because he he has to do that in MMA. So I think he was actually prepared for what Fury does with the using the weight and wrestling and all of that. And I, I think that helped him, but also Fury just. You know, just perhaps either overlooked him, um, or just isn't the same guy. I think a bit of both. Um, but on the undercard of that, Paul, which oh, I love this fight, uh, Zhang uh, against Joseph Parker. That I love a bit of that. Do you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's like P- Parker done really well. You know, he done really, really well recently. And um, uh, did everyone see the result coming? I'm, I'm not no. sure they did. To be honest, and you know, I mean. It, 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 fair play to him because Parker had kind of been written off after he got beaten up by um, Joe Joyce and uh, now you've got the guy who beat up Joe Joyce going against Parker and you're kind of thinking, well, if he beat up Joyce and he's got a very similar sort of plodding style to Joyce and he's, he's you know, as tall as him and as strong as him he might do a number on uh, on Parker but uh, we'll see, I mean, you know Parker beat up, I'm well, not beat up but he, he certainly did a number on um, on Wilder. Uh, Was it a case of Wilder had aged dramatically since his last fight? I'd probably say yes. I mean, you know, he's he's knocking on 40 years old and there was no zap there. He didn't look in that great physical condition he had in in the past, maybe. Um, But either way, Joseph Parker, possibly one of the nicest people again, you know, in in boxing. uh, I'd say so. You know, absolute gentleman. And if he can make a a nice big bang cash on this, then, then brilliant. So, yeah, Parker Zhang, interesting. I, I would probably have to say that Zhang is gonna. There's a possibility he might win by stoppage, but you don't know. Styles make fights, and when Zhang lost against Filip uh, Hrgovic, I mean, it wasn't
2: the. Uh, it, it wasn't won by yeah, traffic. That's was damn very really sure, you know? fight, that one. You looking forward to this one, Luke?
1: Yeah, I think it's a cracking fight. I th- I thought Zhang beat Hrgovic. I thought that was a that was a bad decision. Um, he did very well against Joyce. I think Parker shows, you know, again, what activity can do for a fighter. Wilder had had a couple of rounds in a couple of years. Joe, Joseph Parker had been keeping busy, keeping sharp. And I think that was that was a factor, um, definitely, in that fight. And it's good to see him, you know, trying to build on the momentum of that, going in against another top-ten guy. So... Yeah, that's the the fight of the card really, isn't it? The most competitive one of yeah, think. Yeah,
2: definitely. And I I was a bit worried. I thought Zhang was gonna get left out. I thought maybe <laughs> people would just kinda leave him out. Nobody wants to fight a big, tall, heavy hitting Southpaw um from China. perhaps English isn't the best isn't this you know, obviously isn't his first language. So I thought maybe, you know, he might struggle to get a part of this Saudi money if you like. But it seems like he's you know, he's he's getting in there and, you know, his excellency uh loves the heavyweights and so um yeah, they're um yeah, I'm I'm pleased for that. and but I think Parko's gonna he's not gonna be, you know, as passive as Wilder was. Um and Zhang isn't hard to find either. So I, I, I think it's a I think it's an intriguing fight. I think Zhang might might win. I'd I'd lean toward Zhang to win, but I like it as a fight. I'm actually quite intrigued by that one. Uh, also, that's kind of been talked talked about now. All this Saudi money's flooded into is the Queensbury Matram five on five. We never thought we'd see something like this, did we, Paul?
3: No, not at all. And you know what? You, you, you can certainly uh, quote me from uh, a number of the bodies I've done with you, where I've said, you know, my my compete sort of uh, dislike of of the fight suddenly moving Saudi because it was kind of like. You know, we're going to fight in that well-known venue, Madison Square Gardens, or it's going to be the MGM in Vegas, or it's going to be the York Hall. And all of a sudden, I mean, actually, can anyone name the venue in Saudi no. where the last fight happened? <laughs> no, there we go. And uh, so that, that's that's my point. No one can actually sort of, you know, name it. And I'm not sure if they keep the same venues for that long as well. They're sort of, they, they can create these venues in, in literally minutes, but... One thing I will sort of like, um, you know, eat my hat on a little bit is that uh, what's actually the, the goodness that's happened from all this Saudi cash, which is that they've been creating the fights that nobody thought were going to happen. So, you know, the likes of um, Usyk against uh, against Fury, um, getting Anthony Joshua out, uh, all, all these other fights which we've seen recently, it's happened because there's massive cash. Who would have ever thought that someone would have enough cash enough pull to be able to turn around and get Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren and say, right, get five of your best out there, and uh, don't worry, I'll stump up the cash to make sure uh, it happens If it wasn't for this turkey guy it, it would be you know his excellency that it just wouldn't be happening so um not you know I'm still not a big lover of the fact that the it's happening in a venue which doesn't have any historical significance at all in terms of what of boxing but if it carries on the way it is uh, it may well start to because these fights are going to happen and uh, people will then remember yeah where i it think happened. that's
2: a fair point actually i've been mean, thinking about this quite a bit the, the you know the it's i think one thing luke that we've all kind of we've been frustrated with for a long time is the polit- uh, the politics with promoters and trying to make fights happen particularly in the uk with you know again we're all fans of the british title and what this could actually i'm just thinking about what this could mean for the british title the british title is as big as as the fights that are competed for you know what 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 fights take place for it i think um and i'm not sure i was just wondering what you how you kind of feel luke about you know kind of saudi in essence taking over british boxing um and also what do you think this does for boxing actually over here in the uk itself
1: Oh, that's a big question, Cal. I mean, I guess I'd start off by saying that I'm not ever going to use the phrase His Excellency, even in an ironic way, um, to refer to a representative of a quite despicable and disgusting regime. However, at the same time, only in boxing, you know, could money from such a regime, you know, bring about good. That's the the fucked up world that, that boxing exists within. So. I don't think we can get too high and mighty about it. Um, It's good to see good fights happening. Um, Is it ideal? No. Um, Will it have a detrimental effect on the UK boxing? Probably, because I imagine there'll be less shows and less big fighters fighting over here. Um, But, you know, as a country, I think we've sold, I looked it up, they reckon maybe 27 billion of arms to Saudi Arabia in the last 10 years. So, we're in no position to 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 criticize boxers for who operate in a very high risk sometimes low reward industry you know making the most of what they can to secure their and their family's future so that would be my take on it
2: yeah no I think that's all valid stuff. I think that's kind of my concern is that fighters now are going to rather box for the big Saudi money than box at the York Hall mm. or even even the Manchester Arena, you know. Um they'd rather go and box in Saudi for big Saudi money than yeah, box over here. And I think, Paul, that's that's my biggest concern with it. What about you? Do you feel the same?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said that they're, they're literally going to wherever the checks are being sort of waved around. I mean, i have purely giving it the old off-fight, any man, any place, anywhere, for nothing. Well, if, if memory serves me, he had that deal with Bob Arum for $100 million for three mm-hmm. fights, was it? And uh, so he obviously wanted a bit more of that. And I guarantee that whatever deal he struck uh, in Saudi it would have been north of that $100 million deal, you know? So, uh, um, And Joshua, you know, it, it's one of these things. It's like, I, I think about football and, uh, you know, like Jordan Henderson going off to Saudi and you've got Messi who was offered to go over there and, uh, and Ronaldo. Now, Ronaldo, he, he loves being the centre of attention. Over there, he becomes even more the centre of attention. And um, But Messi was kind of like, well, you know what? I've got so much money in my bank already. I'm going to go to Miami. Uh, my family can walk around uh, you know, without any worries. I can have a beer if I want to on the street. I can hold my, you know, my wife's hand in the street if I want to and not have to worry about anything. I can just basically be me. Yes, I'm going to get a shitload less money, but I'm going to have a great time hanging out with Beckham. I'm going to play football as I want, you know, my own sort of pace without any sort of stresses. And uh, there's there's a lot to be said about, you know, having the integrity for yourself and be, being true to yourself. Yes, uh, some of these fighters might not have made the, the, the cash or may not make the cash that they would if they take an alternative route. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's one of those things you kind of think to yourself in one on one hand here, you know, I, I can do what I set out to do when I was a little kid, which was, you know, achieve all my goals in boxing, or now I'm at a point in my life where I can take on fights against whoever as long as I do it in Saudi and then retire a very rich yeah. man. I think
2: that's fair. I think none of us would begrudge, um you know, would begrudge fighters making money. Like, like like Luke said, it's a it's a short and potentially very, very dangerous career and you want them to make as much money as they possibly can. But I'd much rather they were boxing over here in the UK. Um, It's nice that the fights are on at a reasonable hour because with the Vegas fights, as we all love the glitz and the glamour of Vegas, you know, staying, you know, there's even there's even a, a charm about setting the alarm and waking up at four in the morning to watch the fights. There's something about that, but it is nice to 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 watch watch the fights the big fights at a reasonable hour instead of you know waking up at four in the morning or staying up all night fuck that i've done that in a long time um but yeah so it's it's not perfect um but i'm gonna watch the fights um life makes hypocrites of us all right um a couple of more bits a couple of more bits before we wrap up uh, we're at the 56 minute mark uh you we mentioned earlier on callum smith and anthony yard uh I'm going to ask for a couple of predictions, actually, from you, Luke, first of all. If those two were to fight, Callum Smith and Anthony Yard, who would you fancy? And also, who do you fancy in the undisputed heavyweight title fight, Fury and
1: Usyk? Go. Oh, I'm going to go Yard Ooh. to beat Smith. Uh-huh. Um, I think he might be a bit hungrier. Um, and I think he probably hits a bit harder. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a bit, bit more athletic. Mm-hmm. Smith's a bit robotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, sick. I'm going to go for Fury purely because then if he wins, at least I tipped him to win. <laughs> <laughs> and if he loses, I'll be so fucking happy that I won't mind that I tipped him to win. <laughs>
2: It's, you're just hedging. That is just hedging. But I'll take it. I'll take it. We've got to pick. Um, Paul?
3: Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with, uh, with Luke on the, um, the Smith against Yard prediction. Um, and basically based on the way that both of them fought against better BF, uh, Yard did much better. He actually rocked uh, better BF at one point. He was never going to win the fight, I don't think, but he, uh, he certainly fought for much better performance. So I also think that Callum Smith's best days are behind him. Possibly, dare I say, uh, mm. at, at super middle. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd go with Yard at that. And uh, let's go a bit controversy. I'll, I'll say Usyk wins this uh, by points. Um, unless Fury's got his head in the right place uh, post Nganu And, uh, you know, he, he's back to the old Fury that, that fought against Vladimir Klitschko. And he's, he's lighting his feet again. Um Although Usyk is getting older and he does, he noticed that we looked at a little bit slower in his last couple of fights to get there, but he still had the sneaky lean backs. He still had um, good footwork. Uh, he was still setting traps. And uh, this is the fight of his life. And if anyone's going to rise to the occasion, he needs to rise to the occasion for far more than Fury does here. Everyone is saying Fury's going to win. Everyone's saying a, a good big and beats a good little. And so the pressure for, for Usyk here is, if he loses it, everyone's going to say, well, you know, fucking we, we all said he was going to lose it. You know, he's way too small. So the, the pressure for him to go out and give absolutely everything, leave no stone unturned, it, it's big on himself. And we all know that he will do 110% to sort of t- to give it that. Whereas uh, I don't know what Fury's motivation, apart from sort of saying that he's going to be a smaller man here. And that's what everyone else is saying. So I'm, I'm going to go with motivational, uh, superpower. Uh, kicking in for Usyk, and he's going to win by okay.
2: um Hat trick. For, what about you, Cal? Uh, hat trick for Anthony Yard. I just think he. I just <laughs> think mentality. Do you know what it is? It's, it's me- I, I get really frustrated with Anthony Yard uh, because as much as we, as much as I say, you know, kind of Callum Smith, what's his, what's his best win? Anthony Yard's run is even worse. Like he takes on actual plumbers. And then we'll get a world. And then we'll get a world title fight. Like it's it's impressive how politically, like Frank Warren navigates him to world title fights. But he's not beat. Other than Lyndon Arthur, he's not beaten anyone. You know, that's that would qualify him to box for a two for a world title twice and uh, once against you know the lineal and unified champion. Um, but I just think he's. There's mentality wise. I think he's a little bit mentally stronger than Callum Smith. I think he's a bit fresher as well. Um, And I think Callum Smith at this point would be boxing for money. And I think Mm -hmm. Yard, I would pick Yard. I think Yard might even stop him. Um, I'd love to see that. I think if they do the five on five, that has to headline. I think Callum Smith and Anthony Yard, I think throw everything at that. I think that would be really interesting, but I'd pick Yard. And, I, I, I've done it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I'm picking Usyk, and p- picking Usyk to win a decision. I don't think you can, you can, you can box in third gear like I think Fury has done for the last two two years at least, and then put the genie back in the bottle and suddenly be prime Fury again. I don't think he is prime Fury. I don't think he's looked like prime Fury for a long time. He looked awful last time out against unganu He wasn't grossly fat. He was a similar. He was the same weight as Wilder three, I think. Or two Mm -hmm. um so he wasn't grossly out of shape I just don't think he's got it anymore and I think I and that's a big call and I actually think you talk about pressure Paul. pressure's all on fury he's been calling Usyk a middleweight and a little sausage if he loses he loses to a middleweight so he the pressure's all on him all (laughs) on him um whereas yeah I fancy Usyk I think Usyk is He's he, again, we talk about living the life we talk about better be of earlier on. Living the life that's Usyk as well. And I think Usyk's I think usics going to win. But I'm looking forward to it. And last thing before we go, we just tipped over the hour, but that's okay. Um, Paul, one one surprising thing that you think may happen this year?
3: Uh, <laughs> Queen's <laughs> Park Range is going to get out really of <laughs> That is like Haley's comment, honestly. It's, it's a long time that you yeah. may see it and may not happen ever again. But um, on, on, on a boxing front, uh, I think this year we might see the emergence of three-minute okay. rounds for women.
2: So, Luke, a, a couple of people, I asked this question of John a couple of weeks ago, I asked the, the listeners, a couple of people said they think Joshua's going to retire this year. Somebody said they think Fury's going to retire this year. Anything big or surprising you think might happen this
1: year? For me, the surprise this year is going to be that Fury will fight Joshua. Ah,
2: yeah, I can see that. Yes. If Fury wins, mm. yeah, yeah, and if Fury very much could win. You know, he may prove me wrong. Um, yeah, yeah, I like that one. I, my one when I was on with John was um, that I thought Chris Eubank would win a world title. Uh, I'm already starting to go back on that. I'm not sure he's going to box. <laughs> I, I think he's going to. I think he's going to do a chase more money <laughs> fights. To be honest um but i'll stick with that one for now cause I could, just because i can't think of another one um anyway chaps thank you so much uh before we go are you guys working on anything that you want the people to know about uh paul
3: no like i said you know just uh full hard book comes out uh towards the end of the year just putting in the uh the hard time at the moment with the uh the guys putting in hard time at the uh at the prison so uh, i'll continue to uh uh, to do that, I'm on a bit of a crusade, and to not, not give up on these guys to give them a better, uh, a better mindset when they come
2: Luke, one. anything, um, anything you, that you're working on that you want the people to know about?
1: Absolutely, fuck all, Cal. I am enjoying <laughs> a sort of semi-writing retirement right now, and it is sweet. I might. I might get into grassing on
2: people, get into Crime Stoppers, just so people can go to prison and learn about creative writing. I think that
0: <laughs> I might start getting into grassing. <laughs> I'm
1: going to go nick a car right yeah. now. <laughs> just like in St. Paul. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. You get three, three squares a day and a, and a bit of writing. Uh, lovely. Um, anyway, thank you so much, chaps. Um, and I will talk to you soon. Take care.